0: The movie The Wizard of Oz is an adaptation of the book The Wonderful Wizard of Oz written in 1900 by L. Frank Baum. And the legend is that Baum was trying to uh, come up with the name of this magical land. And he was trying to figure out some name for this land and he glanced over at his file cabinet and there he saw a file drawer that was labeled... O to Z. And that, we hear, is how he came up with the name Oz for the land of Oz. And most, if not all of us, have seen the movie, I'm guessing more than once in our lifetime, but you might not realize originally it was not a success. The Wizard of Oz was released in 1939 in the midst of the Great Depression when going to the movie would have been an unimaginable luxury for many households. So it initially uh, recouped uh, only its $2.8 million budget. O- only upon theatrical re release did it begin to generate a real profit. Since 1956, when it was first shown on TV, The film has become enormously popular and is shown on television multiple times per year. But there are a few odd things about the movie that you may not know. Did you know the Wicked Witch was a kindergarten teacher before she appeared in the film? Would you have guessed that the actress that played the Wicked Witch was 18 years younger than the actress that played Glenda the Good Witch at the time of filming? Did you know that, sadly, Auntie M committed suicide later in life because of a painful disease and the loss of her eyesight? The movie was filmed 77 years ago, and if my research is correct, two members of the original cast are still living. One of the munchkins from the Lollipop Guild and one of the witch's soldiers. They are both around 100 years old today. Now, there are many, many lessons that we could learn from this movie, but I want to focus today just on one. So watch this clip, and then we'll go on. Really, you know what Miss Goss said she was gonna do to Toronto? She says she now, was gonna- Dorothy, dear, stop imagining things. You always get yourself into a fret over nothing. Now you just help us out today and find yourself a place where you won't get into any trouble. place where there isn't any trouble. Do you suppose there is such a place, Toto? There must be. (laughs) It's not a place you can get to by a boat or a train. It's far, far away, behind the moon, beyond the rain. Now part of the reason we used that clip was to absolutely torture the musicians in the room who are still singing that song in their head right now. But in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy spends the first part of the movie trying to find a way to get away from home. She's looking for that place without troubles, that place without problems, and she may be trying to protect protect her dog Toto too, but she runs away from home and she meets Professor Marvel, who is a seedy itinerant con artist, but he apparently has a good heart because he tricks Dorothy into returning home. Unfortunately, she gets there during a tornado and is knocked out by a flying window frame, and she then dreams of her house being uprooted and transported to Oz by the storm. And when she finally winds up in Oz, she spends the rest of the movie trying to find her way back home to Kansas. Now, isn't that true of us? I mean, what do you do When your life is turned upside down what do you do when the storms of life hit you may initially try going off on a journey and trying some new things and doing some new things and going to new places but when the storms of life really hit when your life is turned upside down don't you just want to find a place with no pain and no problems Don't you just want to go home? Don't you just want to go home? So it's no wonder that when her life was turned upside down, Dorothy just wanted to go home. And make no mistake about it, God intended for the home to be a happy place, for it to be a safe place, for it to be a loving place. And I realize for some here, that may not have been the case. Home for you might have been a place full of conflict or Full of abuse or full of neglect and I hurt for you if the home you grew up in was like that because that is not what God intended. He intended that we view home much like Dorothy did in The Wizard of Oz. It was a simplistic view but basically she seemed to believe all of her problems would be solved if she could just get home. She believed that there is no place like home and she was right. And this is the last in our series at the movies today. Whether you had a great home life growing up or a lousy one, I want to help you know that all of us can look forward to going home. And you may already have guessed, I'm not talking about our homes here on earth, but about heaven Many people have different ideas about what heaven is like. Some some picture it as us turning into angels and floating around on clouds, playing harps. And we indicated last weekend that would be a totally unbiblical picture of heaven. And some think of heaven as one great big church service that goes on and on and on for all eternity. And secretly, we think that sounds pretty boring Now, I know you think that, and I do too. While we will worship Jesus in heaven, that isn't all that we will do. And I promise you, we won't be bored for even a millisecond in heaven. You see, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Everyone wants to go to heaven, just not right now. And some even feel a little scared of going to heaven. And if we feel that way, it just indicates we don't know enough about our home in heaven. Let me take the rest of our time trying to describe it to you. Because there really is no place like home. And it might surprise you, but the Bible doesn't say a lot about heaven. It doesn't say a lot. But the best place to go, the place where heaven is described for us, the best place to get a picture of what heaven is like is in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter uh, 22. These chapters tell us what we will experience when we get home to heaven. And it will be a lot better than what Dorothy experienced when she got home to Kansas. You see, when we get home, it will be beautiful, not drab. It'll be beautiful, not drab. In the movie, Kansas is drab. It's even in black and white. Kansas is drab, maybe in real life too. But Oz is full of color. Heaven will be beautiful, not drab. Look at these first two verses of Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared, and so had the sea Then I saw New Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit, coming down from God in heaven. It was like a bride dressed in her wedding gown and ready to meet her husband. Heaven was beautiful like a bride ready to meet her husband. Now, is there anything more beautiful than your bride on your wedding day? I mean, I remember that day really well. It was 38 years ago, and Jill and I hadn't seen each other at all that day. And I was in a church full of people, and the back doors opened, and there she was, radiant and beautiful. She was gorgeous. I remember my daughters on their wedding days, radiant and gorgeous women really work hard to look their best on their wedding day most women have never looked as good as they look on that day and the secret that we don't tell grooms most won't ever look that good again (laughs) my wife and daughters as the exception to the rule of course but when you think about beauty brides are beautiful But this world we live in is a beautiful place. I remember the first time I visited the Grand Canyon. Of course, I had seen pictures before. But it was the first place that I visited that was even more beautiful than any photograph I'd ever seen. I felt that same way about Hawaii and the fall colors, the first year that we lived here and every fall since. There is so much beauty around us. The mountains, the beautiful sunsets, flowers, the beauty of freshly fallen. Let's not talk about that for a few months. God has given us an incredible world, but heaven is going to be so much better than here. Think about it. The world we live in is breathtakingly beautiful, And it took God only seven days to create this world, but he has been working on heaven for over 2,000 years. Heaven is going to make earth look like a dump. It will be so great, we will think we have died and gone to heaven, (laughs) and we will have. Second, when we get home, it will be new, not old. New, not old. The earlier verses talk about a new heaven and a new earth. And then look at what Jesus says in verse 5 of Revelation 21. He says, Then the one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. Everything in heaven will be new. And we like new things. We like new clothes and new cars and new furniture and new technology. In heaven, everything will be new. About 12 years ago now, Jill and I built a new house and a new community in Arizona. Now, it wasn't a fancy house or an expensive house, but it was brand new, and no one had ever lived in it before, and everything inside of it was new except our furniture, and that didn't take very long. A lot of that was new, too. You know how it goes when you move into a new house, but it was very different than what we were used to and we really enjoyed it, I mean it was really different being surrounded by houses all of which weren't there just a year before we moved in. But even in our new house, in our new community, we were reminded that heaven will be much better. Heaven will be much better, you see, in that new house, in that new community, weeds still grew in the lawn, had to be pulled the grass still had to be cut we had some neighbors that were pretty irritating and the bank expected us to make a mortgage payment every month heaven Is going to be much better you see heaven will be totally new because many of the problems and the pains that we experience won't be there I mean all of our emotional pain all of our fear will be gone there will be no divorce court no hospitals no auto repair shops no funeral homes no police force no military no IRS no counseling centers no orders of protection no cemeteries none of those things will be needed because all of those things that create pain in our current world won't exist in heaven it won't be there at all everything will be new and not only is heaven new but we will be new we will be new look at this passage from first corinthians 15 but i am telling you this strange and wonderful secret we shall not all die but we shall all be given new bodies It will all happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when the last trumpet is blown for there will be a trumpet blast from the sky and all the Christians who have died will suddenly become alive with new bodies that will never, never die. And then we who are still alive shall suddenly have new bodies too. Uh, For our earthly bodies, the ones we have now that can die, must be transformed into heavenly bodies that cannot perish but will live forever. Have you ever wished that you could change something about your physical appearance? I don't know why we're so unsatisfied. Have you noticed people with curly hair always want straight hair? People with straight hair always want curly hair. People with no hair just want hair. (laughs) And people who could grow a perfectly good head of hair often shave it all off. I don't get that (laughs) and plastic surgeons are kept busy doing facelifts and tummy tucks and enhancements and reductions and much more well the good news is when we get to heaven we get new bodies we get new bodies and I believe our new bodies won't have to worry about calories (laughs) and yes we will eat in heaven it talks about the marriage feast of the lamb. We get to eat there, so there will be no calories, and I think that there'll be food there, just not broccoli or diet Pepsi. <laughs> now, I also think, though I can't back it up in Scripture, that all men in heaven will be bald, so the rest of you can be as good looking as me. Now, in seriousness, our bodies will have no limitations. No limitations. We will see people who have lived with paralysis walking and running and dancing. Blind people are going to see perfectly. Deaf people will hear perfectly. In heaven, there will be no hearing aids or glasses or wheelchairs or walkers or inhalers or pain pills or medication of any kind. None of it will be needed because we will have new bodies Third, when we get home, we will be together, not alone. We'll be together, not alone. Now, heaven will be all about relationships. It's going to be all about relationships. We won't ever be lonely. We won't ever have to say goodbye. Look at what Revelation says about relationships in heaven. First, it says, we will be with God we will be with God. Look at this passage from uh, Revelation 21, verses three and four says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne. God's home is now with his people. He will live with them, and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. He will wipe all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever when we die and when we get to heaven we get to be with God he will make his home with us he himself will wipe away our tears whatever it is that's been making you cry he will comfort you he will personally wipe away your tears he will do away once and for all with your pain and your problems and your hurts and as a part of that, He will take away the shame of our sin. Whatever it is that you feel ashamed of, that big sin, you know, that secret sin that you hope nobody knows about, that secret sin or habit that has caused you and the people who love you all sorts of pain, all sorts of problems. He will express to you face to face that His death on the cross really did pay the price for that sin that he really did take care of that, and he will lift the burden of shame once and for all, and we will walk with him, and we'll laugh with him, and we'll dine with him, and we'll worship him, and we'll just hang out with him. We will enjoy him fully, and we'll be like him. And I can't wait to see him. But not only does heaven allow us to be together with God, but we will be with each other. We'll be with each other. Look at this scripture from Revelation 22. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Everyone who hears this should say, come. If you are thirsty, come. If you want life-giving water, come and take it. It's free. Some will get to heaven sooner, and some will be there later. But if we've trusted Jesus for our salvation, if we are following him, we will be there together. And God wants us to start enjoying that togetherness now. That's why he created the church. The church is a little taste of what heaven is going to be like. Or it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. I mean we see so much hate in our world and people dividing up over different political views and social views and Small little problems, and unfortunately, even people who claim to love and follow Jesus can't seem to show his love consistently for each other or for the people around them in the world. But since we'll all be together in heaven, we'd better learn to get along here. We'd better learn to get along here. I'm trying to let God control my heart and my attitudes and my tongue and my actions and my prejudices because I don't want to spend one minute in heaven having to apologize to you about what I said about you or what I thought about you or what I did to you. You see, my goal is to start treating people now the way that I will treat them in heaven I'm still working on that. Maybe you are too. Lastly, we will be with people we influenced. I don't want you to miss something important here. It's kind of hidden in that verse we just read, but look at it again. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Not only is God's Holy Spirit inviting people to come to know Jesus and enter into heaven, but so is the bride. Now, what is the bride? According to Scripture, the church is the bride of Christ. And one of the main jobs of the church is to say, come, We're to say, come to those who are far from God. We're to invite those who are thirsty. We are to invite those who need hope. In fact, the passage says that everyone who hears the invitation, everyone who hears the good news, has the job of spreading the good news. To other people. And we've seen that happen here at Impact. I mean, some of you have come here and you have crossed the line of faith and you have found fulfillment in your relationship with Jesus. And you have said to your family and you've said to your friends, Come. And people have joined you for church. And then they've crossed the line of faith. They've made decisions to give their heart and life to Jesus. And now they will be joining all of us in heaven. Praise the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to happen. And this is how you can help your friends who aren't followers of Christ yet, or how you can help your friends that are Christ followers but they haven't yet uh, found a church home. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to have all of the answers for their questions. You just need to say, come. Come with me to church. Come with me to church and listen and learn and Come ask your questions and hopefully you will find the comfort and the joy that I have found and hopefully you will choose to follow Jesus too. And when those that you invite come to any of our campuses, we must welcome them. We must welcome them. God wants them here and we must do whatever we can to help them hear his invitation and feel like that impact can be their home until they get to their heavenly home. So in heaven we'll be together, not alone. We will enjoy relationships there. Some with the people that we have known here on earth. I was thinking about it this week. I was imagining what will the first five minutes in heaven be like? What will the first five minutes in heaven be like? And for me it'll be all about relationships. I want to embrace Jesus. I want to fall at his feet and worship him. And then I'm going to go looking for a little four-year-old red-headed girl. I'm going to hug and hold my daughter again. I'm going to hear her raspy little voice and her laugh. I'm going to find my mom. I'm going to find Jill's dad. I'm going to find my grandparents going to be all about relationships. And you say, you're going to do all that in five minutes? Well, don't forget, in heaven a day is like a thousand years. So I think I can do all that in the first five minutes that I'm there. And you know, it's going to be about relationships with people I've never met, but always heard about. I can't wait to ask David about that day with Goliath. I can't wait to find Noah and ask him about the smell of that boat. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, when we get home, it will be permanent, not temporary. It'll be permanent, not temporary. Sometimes we feel insecure because so much of our world seems temporary. Some of us know what it's like to move from place to place. Dorothy ended up in Oz, but didn't want that to be her permanent home. And some of us who have moved to Pittsburgh from other areas, we may love this city, but we might not quite feel at home. It might not quite be the permanent location. It may be, but heaven will be permanent. Revelation 21, verses 5 and 6 says this, Then the one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write down what I've said. My words are true and can be trusted. Everything is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give water from the life-giving fountain to everyone who is thirsty. Jesus is the beginning and the end and when he died on the cross he conquered death once and for all and as a result when we accept his grace when we trust him fully for our salvation we have the promise of eternal life he gives to us that life-giving water we will always be with the Lord and we were made for eternity Like I said last weekend, God never wanted to send people to hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for us. He made us to share eternity in heaven with him. That was his original plan, even in the Garden of Eden, and it has always been God's plan. God has made us for eternity. And most of us know that instinctively. Even people who have scoffed at the idea of God seem to know at the end of their life that there has to be more than just this life. They seem to know that instinctively. They seem to know that life is pretty short and meaningless and there has to be more. And Ecclesiastes tells us the reason most people feel this way. Here's what it says in chapter 3, verse 11. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. People can't understand the whole scope of what God has done and what he will do, but he has placed inside of all of us a longing for eternity. That's why we long for more than what this earth can offer. Our heart longs for more when the person that we've loved for 10 years spins on their heels and walks away. Our hearts long for more when we read about another baby abandoned in a trash can or about another terrorist attack or school shooting. Our heart longs for more when we hear about more soldiers or police officers dying or another senseless murder. And our soul cries out for more when our highest intelligence can't keep our most loved from dying of cancer. Our soul cries out for more when our news is full of disgraceful stories about those considered role models and the majority of people don't even seem to care. Our soul cries out for more when our bodies just ache, when we desperately miss the one who has died, or when we read of children who are hungry and homeless in the richest nation on the face of the earth. It's hard to feel at home in such a temporary place. And that's a good thing. It was Augustine, one of the earliest theologians, that said the only ultimate disaster that can befall us, I have come to realize, is to feel ourselves to be at home on this earth. As long as we are aliens, we cannot forget our true homeland. A great gift that God has given us is deep dissatisfaction God holds our attention heavenward and the only tragedy would be to become satisfied prematurely, to grip tightly to this temporary world. Max Lucado writes, take a fish and place him on the beach. Watch his gills gasp and his scales dry. Is he happy? No. How do you make him happy? Do you cover him with a mountain of cash? Do you get him a timeshare and a beach chair? Do you bring him a copy of Playfish magazine and a martini? Do you wardrobe him in double-breasted fins and people skin shoes? Of course not. You put him back in his element. You put him back in the water. He will never be happy on the beach because he was not made for the beach. And let me tell you, I was not made for this earth. I was not made for this earth. I was made for heaven. God placed eternity in my heart and in your heart and we won't feel at home until we get there. And when we get there, that's when we'll be able to rest. That's when we will experience all of the joy that God intended for us. It will feel natural. It'll feel normal to be there because it's our home and it was created for us and we were created to be there. And we will not have to hurry. We won't have to worry. We'll never have to say goodbye. Look again at Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. I heard a loud voice shout from the throne, God's home is now with his people. He will live with them, and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. He will wipe all tears from their eyes. And there will be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. No pain, no canes, no illness, or tears, or fear, no loneliness, or misunderstandings, or hurt feelings, no cancer, no debt, no work, no financial problems, only peace, only joy, only beauty for all eternity. So why would we want to stay here? I'm ready to go to that forever place where all who have trusted in Jesus will be together for all eternity. Watch this clip. Come back! Come back! Don't go without me! Please come back! I can't come back! I don't know how it works! Goodbye, folks! Oh no, I'll never get home. Stay with us then, Dorothy. We all love you. We don't want you to go very kind of you. But this could never be like Kansas. Annie, I must have stopped wondering what happened to me by now. Oh, scarecrow, what am I going to do? Look. here's someone who can help you. i have always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. Now those magic slippers will take you home in two seconds. Oh, total two? Total two. Oh, now? Whenever you wish. Yes, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes and tap your heels together three times. And think to yourself. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's, There's, no, no, place place like home. There's no place like home. There's no-, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Like Dorothy we've always had the ability to get home it's not by clicking our heels together and saying there's no place like home but it has been provided for us supernaturally don't you want to be sure that you get there you can be sure Revelation 21 helps us with this too. Look at verse 7 and then look at verse 27. All who win the victory will be given these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my people. Then skip to verse 27. But nothing unworthy will be allowed to enter. No one who is dirty minded or who tells lies will be there. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be in the city. Maybe as I read those verses, your mind focused on the part that says nothing unworthy and no one who's dirty-minded or who tells lies will be there. And you're thinking, that puts me out. You're thinking, I'm not worthy. I've told lies. I've thought things that I shouldn't think. That puts me out. That describes me. And I want you to know it describes me too. But if you focused on that, you are missing the most important part because the ones who win the victory are there. And they are there because their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so if you want to be sure that you get to that beautiful and new and permanent uh, place where where we will be together with God and with each other and those who we have influenced, we need to be sure that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, how do you do that? You make the right choice. You choose to trust Jesus completely for your salvation. You believe. And you tell people that you believe. And you repent of your sins. And you're baptized into Christ where your sins are washed away. And you Live for Jesus the rest of your life. You make the choice to trust Jesus rather than trying to take care of your sins on your own. I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to trust him to save me forever. And when we make that choice, when we trust him, he will give us forgiveness. He'll give us freedom. And he will give us a home in heaven. And my friends, I want you to know there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Let me pray for you, and then Pastor Bill will come. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those who even inside their minds are arguing about how unworthy they are. They're failing to see how The death of Jesus can pay the price for their sin once and for all. They're holding on to their shame, shame that Jesus took care of on the cross. Father, I pray that you will give them the courage to talk to us. I pray, Father, that anyone here that might not understand that they have a home in heaven might talk to one of of our pastors or our First Step team. But, Father, I pray that each one of us might have a comfort of knowing that we have the promise of heaven. And Father, we look forward to heaven. We look forward to that day when we can bow down before you and express our love. Thank you, Father, for your grace, for your forgiveness, for your new start each day. And Father, help us. Help us to invite others that they might experience that joy also and we pray all of this in the name of jesus amen